Hello, I'm Bradley Hayes and I'm an FY2 doctor working in South East London. And welcome to episode 10 of the Class of Corona, a podcast for final year medical students about to start working in the NHS. And we're now working with FDocs, so you should check them out if you haven't already. And you can get in contact with us at classofcorona2020 at gmail.com. Today's episode is The Rotor. So without further ado, let's get on with the podcast. So before we start, would you all mind introducing yourselves? Hi, so I'm Rachel. I'm an F3 doctor currently working on a respiratory ward in a South London hospital. I'm Laura. I am also an F3 doctor currently working in paediatric A&E in London. Hi, I'm Andrew. I'm an F3 doctor working in intensive care in London. So one thing I felt I didn't know much about before starting was about my rotor. So what annual leave, study leave, time off and lose, zero days, what all of those things mean and how to get the most out of them when you're first starting, as well as what to do if you find yourself staying late at work, so exception reporting. So my first question is, what makes up a normal rotor? So there's generally two different types of rotor. You have a standard nine to five or eight to five rotor that you might be on day to day, and then there's an on-call rotor. So that would be where a couple of times a week you might have a long day where you cover the wards or the medical take or the surgical take in the afternoons and the evenings or you'll have weekend shifts where you cover the wards or medical or surgical takes. And then every so often you might have a week of nights or a weekend of nights mixed into a range of normal days. Um, most jobs have a mix of normal days and then on-call days and you kind of you get compensated for your on-call days, you get compensated for your weekends that you work. Um, it varies job to job. Some jobs like psychiatry or peds if you're an f1 um, and gp tend to be more nine to five um, and your pay will reflect what rotor you're on being paid more for the more out of hours shifts that you do so have you found that coronavirus has changed the shift patterns for you i think what we've seen in coronavirus is they're allocating more doctors to be on call at the same time so it's, it's like we said in earlier podcasts that actually you're much more supported in hospitals now than we've ever been before. There's much more doctors on call. Staffing is really well kind of organised and supported. So where you would normally have two or three doctors in the hospital overnight covering the medical wards, there will now be four or five. There's make sure that there's always a registrar or a consultant on site or over the phone so that you've got somebody to escalate to patients being unwell. So it means that people are doing a couple more on-call shifts than maybe they were before, but you're still getting the, the days off that you should do to compensate for that. So I personally have always preferred rotors where I've been on doing shift work. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I think I do prefer the shift work. Um, you get far more weekdays off, which is helpful for sort of getting you know, general life admin and that sort of thing. It means that you can actually you know, go to the bank if you need to go to the bank now because everything's closed but yeah um you get more days off in total um you end up working more unsociable shifts but um, you know more nights more weekends in out on average but um you do end up getting a lot more time off the problem with that is that the time that you have off often none of your friends will be off yeah i agree with andrew i love shift work so much more than nine till five um, shift, like Andrew said, shift work gives you the advantages of having the occasional midweek day off. Sometimes you have a morning off before you might be in for a twilight, two till ten shift, something like that. Um, it's a lot more varied. And one other big thing, of course, is because you're working more in social hours, you do get paid more. 
Um, equally, the disadvantage of it, which lots of people um, don't like so much, is obviously they, lo they do lose routine. So some people prefer the more nine till five because it means that they always have their evenings free or they have weekly, nightly commitments to things, they, they can do that. Um, so it, it's different for everyone. Personally, I much prefer shift work um, to nine till five. I definitely found that my sleep was a lot better when I was on more regular nine to five type patterns. Um, some people find it a lot easier to transition when they're on shift work, but um, that's something that you sort of have to work out for yourself, I think. So for a lot of people, this can be the first time they're doing a job um, full-time where they have annual leave, study leave, personally, all those different things. So I thought it would be good next to go through what all that terminology actually means. So I thought we could start with annual leave. How much do you get? When can you use it and all those different things? I think in England, at least, um, you get 27 days of annual leave um, across the year. Uh, most of the time, the rule is, is that you have to take, on a four-month rotation, you have to take your four months worth of annual leave within that time you can't roll it over to your next rotation so any sort of wild plans of taking a kind of 27 day off um, stint at the end of the summer um, won't work so usually that what that equates to is that every four months you have nine days of annual leave to take off depending on your rotor and depending on what kind of shift patterns you're working sometimes they they can be split into half days or full days but generally it's nine full days I think a lot of people will take off nine days on the rotation right at the start. I've often found personally, it's always good to keep half a day or a day spare, just in case you're, you know, you've got a run of nine days in a row and you're just like, well, if I could take a day off in the middle of that, that would actually make this a lot more manageable. Um, so I think I like to keep a little day spare just in case. Uh, so next up is study leave. So study leave is paid days off um, and everyone has a study leave budget for the year and that's a certain amount of money that you can use towards conferences or courses but also a certain number of days off that you can use and I think it's 14 days across F1 and F2 and you then the idea is that you take half in F1 and half in F2 but trusts can be quite flexible and in that you get a seven day taste a week so you can go and try a different specialty in a different hospital see what it's like going back to being a medical student almost because you're shadowing rather than being there in a paid capacity but you can also use study leave to take an exam um, to take some time off to study for exam trusts have different policies on revision days but usually you can get one or two days to revise and also to go to any conferences or courses you can use these study leave days to do things like that rather than having to take annual leave days there might be limitations on what days in your rotor you can take that leave there might be certain shifts where you're not allowed to request annual leave on those shifts for example weekends and on calls as well so another phrase I'd never heard of before working is time off in lieu. This is something that came about with the new junior doctor's contract a couple of years ago. If you're working over your allotted time and um, you have accumulate some hours of overtime, um, that can either be paid back monetarily or that will be given to you as time off in lieu. Um, the other example is if you work on a bank holiday, you still get that bank holiday off you can just you have to take it off as time in loop um, so basically it's an additional day of leave um, that you've um, accumulated either by working a bank holiday or working overtime that you then have to sort of in the same usually in the same way as booking annual or study leave you have to get approved and then um, take off at some point in your rotor. 
one thing with time off in lieu is often it's something you have to keep track of yourself in the range yourself. Road coordinators won't automatically, in a lot of cases, give you the day off if you've worked a bank holiday. It's something you have to be aware of and chase and make sure that you take that time because it won't just be given to you automatically. With all these things, please never feel guilty about taking this time off. It's time that you, given the amount that you work, you have a right to take off. So never feel guilty about taking all of your study leave. Never feel guilty about taking that extra day off because you work the bank holiday uh, because you'll need it later on. Last but not least, a zero day. So a zero day is a day that you get usually before or after a weekend or a long day on call and it's to sort of for you to rest prior to a weekend. So if you're waking, working a weekend, some trust will give you a day and a half off or two days off before the weekend. And that's called a zero day because it's shifting your weekend or your day off before you have your weekend on call. And these are usually quite flexible and depending on staff on the ward, you can move them around to suit when you would rather have a day off. So if you'd rather have your day off on a post weekend or pre weekend, you can usually help to arrange that. I think that leads me really well into the next point. Um, so I found at the start, some people were really good at getting sort of a block of two weeks off. You'd have no idea how they managed to work that into the rotor, whereas I could only ever get three or four days off in a row. How do you guys work the rotor to your best favour and get the time off when you want it? I mean, I'm absolutely dreadful at this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it to save my life. Um, but I, it's all about swapping, isn't it? Yeah, I think the big thing is, is swapping to make sure that you haven't got any weekends in a row. Um, it can get quite complicated. I've been in three, four-way swaps where you're swapping with someone else with someone else, you're swapping with someone else, you're swapping with someone else. And it does work. It takes a lot of emails and a lot of WhatsApps. But if you line up your zero days, if you take holiday in between nights, and if you do lots of swaps for weekend on calls and long days, then actually you can manage to get two weeks, 10 days off in a row and I personally feel that having having a week never really quite feels like enough when we're used to nice long holidays from medical school and things like that it's quite nice to then give yourself a longer break than those seven days and it's just perseverance I think and badgering people to swap because people people do will swap with you you just have to keep keep pestering people and being proactive with it. I think generally a, a common pattern that you see on rotors is you tend to have a slightly more intense shift for example a set of nights or weekends or two or three long days in a row and normally before or after that you'd have had zero days or in lieu days and typically then after those in lieu days you will go back to your normal rotor which might be in nine to five post on those nine to five days you could then feasibly take leave so one way that i've often done it is taking those two or three days of nine to fives off and combined them with the two days of zero that I already had for working the weekend, for example. And suddenly, with the weekend following my nine to five shift, you get seven days off for taking three days leave. Um, so it's, it's examples like that and ways like that that you can really make the most of um, your leave. And what I would say is, please make sure that you get your leave requests in as early as possible, because as sad as it is, you may not get your leave request, your first choice leave request. Ultimately, you work really hard and you work hard to play hard and to have fun and to be able to do lots of fun things with your life and your, your newfound earnings as well. So please get your leave requests in early and don't leave it to the last minute um, and make sure that you plan plenty of fun things to do outside of work. I think another key thing is that often the way that Reuters worked is you get emailed out a whole 
selection of rotors and then you choose row A, B, C, D or however far it goes down. A good thing to do if you get that option, it may not happen to start with with things being slightly different starting, but moving through to your next rotations is have a look and see is there any weekends that you definitely want off or have you got a wedding at some point or a big family birthday and try and plan ahead as far as you can thinking so that you don't have to try and swap out later and making sure that your days you could take leave fall onto the days that you have those big events planned for. Sometimes they ask you to give reasons for why you want that particular choice and actually they can be quite understanding about that so if you say I would like um, option A is my first choice because I have my dad's 60th on this date and I'd really mean the world to it if I could be able to attend that um, and actually even if they don't ask you for a reason as to why you want that date you can always just put it in the email anyway um, you never know someone might be feeling nice and actually take that into consideration if no one else is desperate for it and um, so I think it's always worth letting someone know if there's a date that you really desperately need to have off and that's why you want that road to choice um, similarly if you don't get the road that you want but and you're, and you're working a day that you cannot for the life of you get leave on or you're not allowed to take leave on and it's always worth asking the road coordinators is there any chance that i can swap this shift around somehow as a as an exception um in order for me to be able to go to this event obviously there's no guarantee and most most of the time they won't be able to do it from a pure staffing level but it's always worth asking and don't feel guilty about asking because there's absolutely no harm in doing that it is hard starting f1 normally it's things are very different and hospitals are quite different at the moment and you will need time off and you will want time to just sit at home and do nothing all day or to sit on Skype to your family all day and I think just because you can't go on holiday it doesn't mean that you still don't need that time off and so don't be afraid to kind of take annual leave and try and save it all up for the end in the hope that things might go back to normal because as we've said if you leave it all to the end you might not be able to get the time that you want off. I think another thing to say is if you have family or friends who aren't medical sometimes I found they won't quite understand when you genuinely cannot do anything to get time off. If possible, just try not to feel guilty about that. I've been in situations where there's been family events where I haven't been able to go to because of work. And sometimes there isn't anything you can do about that, no matter how hard you try and swap. That evens itself out a little bit after a few years where people come to expect that from you. And then if you don't want to turn up to an event, you just say, oh, you know, the hospital's busy. What can I do? <laughs> where I've been trying to organise like a holiday with some friends from school um, the fact that we only get our rota you know a few weeks before we start and only for a few months at a time means it's like almost impossible for me to coordinate with 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 friends when they want to book early which I find a bit annoying but what can you do at least you have friends yeah something like that <laughs> <laughs> Another tip I've got for annual leave is if you want a prolonged period off, so for example, you're looking for maybe more than just five days, I was actually looking for two weeks. That's going to take a lot of legwork and a very, very long time to sort out. Um, so if you have got a big trip planned, go for it by all means. Don't not try and organise it. Um, but please start planning early for requesting leave because extended periods of time off are quite difficult to organise in the NHS. So for some of you, this is going to be the first time you've had a payslip. Um, and it's a really good feeling when the, when the pay comes in for the first time. What are some things you should be looking out for in that first pay slip? Quite a few people I know ended up having to sort out were issues related to their tax code. What I would say is when you first get your first pay slip or two, just please make sure that you are on the right tax code. And if you've got any doubts, um, call HMRC um, and they'll be able to help you out with any questions you've got. One other thing I would say is um, the amount of money that you can make 
in different rotations is quite variable. So just in terms of budgeting, if you're on a psych or a GP rotation, you're going to be on quite a lot less money than when you're on A&E. And it can actually be quite a sizable difference. So it's something just to keep, keep an eye out for uh, when you're thinking about budgeting. So another area that can get a bit challenging for some people is when staying late becomes too much and when you should be exception reporting. Yeah, so I think this is something that's really, it's really hard to find the right balance. And I think all of us starting, we, we felt quite guilty to start with about exception reporting. And there is a tendency, especially in your first few weeks, you're not going to be as fast as everybody around you. It takes a while to get used to working, where things are, you're, to get up to speed, doing discharge letters, doing floods, things will take you longer. You may stay a bit later than, than kind of the five o'clock finish or whatever in the first few weeks. But if three, four weeks in, you're every day, you're saying half an hour, an hour, an hour and a half late, that's when you should start thinking, actually, is there something that's going on here? Is there something that could be changed? Am I saying late because we don't have enough staff or there's too many patients or because the consultant comes around at two o'clock to do a second board round or because the pharmacy aren't managing the discharge letters or the medications. So it's at that point, if it's every day and it's routine that you should start looking at maybe actually something else needs to change. And the biggest thing is that if you don't exception report, consultants often don't know that you're staying late because they don't stay late they leave at five because their jobs are done so if you don't exception report people don't know and change doesn't happen and so it will continue going forward they don't know that they need more staff or that they need to change the time of the war down one thing i would say is if you work an extra hour and a half two hours every day of the week that adds up to a whole extra shift and it's really easy to burn yourself out if you're constantly doing that and it's really not a good thing to doing long term I think if you're worried or you're not sure if you should be exception reporting, every trust has someone called a guardian of safe working. Um, and in my experience, they're usually a really friendly, really approachable consultant who are more than happy to talk to juniors and to talk to F1s about when they should be exception reporting. And if you're having consultants telling you that you shouldn't be exception reporting, they're a really good person to go to to be like, I don't know what to do. Sometimes because you have to go through certain supervisors, it can feel a little bit awkward um, and that's something that even if we give you really good advice it might feel a bit awkward bringing this up but overall if you go through the garden of safe working if you raise these issues people are generally quite reciprocal towards trying to make changes to get you away on time really um i found that it makes life easier for everyone if the juniors can get together and basically agree that everyone will exception report you create a culture where everyone is doing it it makes it less likely that any individual feels like they're sticking their neck out, head above the parapet. Um, it just makes it easier for everyone to do it. The truth is some, some departments, some consultants are quite resistant to it still. Um, I think that's a lot less common than it was when exception reporting first started a few years ago, in my experience. But it still does happen. But I think, yeah, if you, if you all sort of work together as juniors, it makes the whole thing a lot easier. So I think that's everything I wanted to talk about today. I think we're going to finish off with a top tips. So my top tip would be get your annual leave requests in early. Um, and that's the best way you're going to be able to get the blocks off and get exactly the time that you want to get off off. My top tip would be don't feel guilty about taking leave or exception reporting or taking study leave days. Um, like we've said throughout the podcast, you have to look after yourself and make sure that you're kind of stopping yourself from burning out. And annual leave is a really good way to do that. And making sure that you're not losing out on time off by exception reporting helps stop burnout as well. 
My top tip would be that thankfully in your F1 and F2 years, each rotation is only four months. So if you end up on a rotor where you don't like the, the shift pattern or you don't like the nine to five every week, it is only for four months. So don't be disheartened if you're a bit disappointed with your rotor initially, because actually it's only four months and you'll move on to another new job very soon. And my top tip is if you or your colleagues are having problems with exception reporting, um, try to work together as a team. Um, and if that fails, you can go to your reps or you can go to the Guardian of Safe Working for advice and support. Well, guys, thank you so much. That is the end of episode number 10. So thank you for listening. <laughs>